If you're an established woman in tech who is creating results and making an impact at work, so your workload and stress just keep growing, but promotions and salary bumps remain a distant dream, it's time for a change. Listen, we all know the tech industry has dramatically changed. It's time your career approach did too. You don't need cookie cutter programs or dusty advice from outdated playbooks because What works for tech bros won't work for you. You need individualized, bespoke support to build your brave career. One that reflects who you are as a woman in tech. I invite you to explore career coaching with me. Get all the details, including prices and client results at tricksteinbach.com. You can stress less work less, and earn more. You've already earned it. Let's make it happen. Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Celebrate Brave podcast. I'm Nicole Tricksteinbach, the international bravery coach and your host. On this podcast, I share the best framework the coolest conversations, and my own unique perspectives for how you can build your brave. There are two foundations to all of our conversations. Number one, bravery is a skill, not a personality trait. And you are already brave. Brave is how you create your unique wonderfully fulfilling life. Brave is you. Let's go. Welcome to this episode. I have my first ever repeat guest and she is back based on literal popular demand. Ashley's episode as This recording is the number one episode. It's downloaded a hundred times more than any other episode. And people submitted questions without me asking them. So we are bringing her back. This is Ashley Willemitis. She is now 15 months as a woman in technology. And her life has dramatically changed. So welcome, girl. Welcome. Huh? Super excited to be back when you reached out. I it was sort of feeling like I was like, what's going to be something like a next cool thing for me to do? And then you reached out and super, super psyched to and honored to be to be asked back. So thanks, everybody. Yeah. And, you know, and I, of course, love talking to you. We have kept in contact even as we stopped formally coaching together. Mm-hmm. But people really want to hear about what's been going on for you. You have really inspired a lot of people to ask themselves questions. And it was interesting because your podcast episode went out and I had shared that I was nervous about, oh, like I've not supported someone from education. And your experience brought people to me from lots of different industries. And as a result, I mean, it's not all your fault, but... (laughs) I've, <laughs> but I've really stepped into 
brave because I've seen how the Build Your Brave framework and talking about brave and all of the skills help people in all of the aspects of their life. And so I'm so excited because I think based on the questions submitted, I think we're going to be talking a lot more than about a lot more than your career this time. Yeah, yeah. I think what's been so interesting and and what you just said sort of brought in front of mind is like, I think we're so often taught that whatever path we're on, it's towards these sort of like big milestone things and we're searching for that big thing. And in working with you, one of the things that I learned was to break things down into their parts a little bit more, specifically in the career search. It was like, not what role do I want, but what skills do I want to use in that role or what type of environment do I want to be in that role? And that translates so well to life because it's not like, what city do I want to live in? What kind of house do I want to have? What, what are the sort of big milestone moments? But what are the little pieces that I want to have make up my life? And in that way, I think it really resonates with people because you may not want to live in an RV and travel full time and not be rooted and not be close to your family and, and all these things. But you, we can, we can sort of mutually identify that like independence and freedom and choice and autonomy and like following a path that feels really good for you as an individual, like that's, it's actually more about those small pieces, sort of the atoms that make it up. And then how those atoms go together and make the big milestones for you. It's, I guess it just like flips it on its head a little bit. And I think that's one reason why like I've talked to so many people and they've expressed to me that me sharing my story has been really valuable and they can see themselves in it, even if the big pieces don't align with the type of life that they want to live. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Design based on values. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And it's interesting because the way you were describing that. So as we're talking, I'm going through a certification that's around bringing in like more feminism and questioning more systems of power so that my clients can make more empowered decisions. And you, what you were just describing as big rocks, little rocks, like I totally agree with that because I live in a society that tells me the big rocks is my career. My big rock is how I look. My big rock is, right, what community I live in. And I also hear my instructor in my head, as well as all of the amazing culture changers who are saying, actually, those are the little rocks. The big rocks are, you know, what values do you have? What legacy do you want to create? What experiences are most important to you. And that is probably why you have made such empowered choices and also people respond and it resonates so much. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's incredible. So shall we dive in? Let's do it. All right, listener questions. Now, I grouped a lot of these together and simplified them. So I hope for dear, dear listeners, that you hear your question inside of this, even if I've removed a lot of your personal information. So, Ashley, what's happened in the last year and what's your life and career like now? All right. So the past year. So we chatted in the early part of 2022. So since then, 
So I, I obviously I started my new job. I'll start with the career stuff first because I think it's a it's very it's a little bit simpler. So started the new job, found out literally on like my fifth or maybe second week of work, like we were getting acquired. So the job the company I thought I was getting hired for <laughs> that was wild. For another company. And not only that, I was named to work on the integration team and program manage the migration of customers from the old platform to the new platform, which was just an insane opportunity that I couldn't have planned for, couldn't have job searched for, couldn't have even identified that that was a thing I might be interested in. And so it was really, you know, the most cliche thing about building the plane while it's flying and (laughs) collaborating to try to figure out how to do this job in this new industry with this new team. And, and yeah, I've been working on that for the past year. In that time, I got promoted. I got promoted. Yes, she did. A nice pay bump on top of the already massive pay increase I got by changing industries. I had my first official performance review recently and got a pay increase from that, which was great. I was just named to work on a pretty high visibility, high priority program on a brand new product and helping to bring that to market over the next couple of months. So like from a work perspective, it's been like all systems go in that time. In a life perspective, I think I I think we talked about it last time. My partner and I bought an RV. We moved into it in June of 22, lived in it sort of near what was home for us in in Vermont, New Hampshire for the summer. And we hit the road full-time towards the end of September. So we've been full-time on the road for, what's that, like seven months now. We traveled down the East Coast, across the uh, across Texas. That's a big, big state to drive across. Spent the winter <laughs> in the Southwest and now starting to gear up to drive up the West Coast. And our, a lot of people ask, like, how long do you want to do this? And it's like a, a one-year adventure. And we kind of view it like, like when someone buys a house, it's like, how long do you think you'll live here? And it's like, well, I mean, until it doesn't work anymore. Like, it feels great. It's super oh. fun. We we travel to places that are sort of mountain bike and rock climbing destinations. I'm a mountain biker. My partner is a rock climber. And yeah, I, I close my laptop at the end of the work day. And like bikes are on the car ready to go. And we go adventure and explore so i think i've put I put over a thousand miles on my mountain bike in the past year i'm on track to increase that for 2023 and it's awesome i i i literally cannot imagine stopping right now and being in one place it would feel after having so much adventure and energy and exploration it would feel like restrictive and constraining to be in one spot for longer than a few weeks so it's it's really really great i i love it life is awesome we're gonna let that stand for just a second life (laughs) is awesome is it it's not without its hard stuff like whether you live in a 30 foot oh don't you dare pull that back don't you dare no but i say i say that to say that like I, what I don't want people to think is that it is like all sunshine and rainbows all the time. That somehow right. I've like removed all hardship and stress from my life. That is certainly not true. <laughs> but I, it, it's just like 
again, all those little, all those little rocks, all those little atoms are yes. so much more in tune with what I want and what feels good for me and what, I don't know, just makes me feel so at ease and centered that the things that are hard and stressful and the bad days are so much more manageable. Yeah. They can, I can, I can go through them with lower anxiety levels, better yeah, self-awareness, better ability to bounce back and be able to face the next day without feeling like, I feel like in my old life, it was more like a lot of little weights all stacking on one another and it just got heavier and heavier and heavier until I broke. Whereas now it feels like I can, you know, have a tough time and then set it aside and keep moving forward. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I love how you came back to the big rocks, little rocks and the strength because you had listed out independence, freedom, choice, autonomy, among others. I just managed to write those down. And then you said, oh my goodness, like being in one place would be restrictive and constraining. It just comes right back to that value conversation. (laughs) A thousand miles. I just have a question. How many miles did you put on your bike the year before? The year before? Like half? Or? I can tell you. What do you think it was? Strava. I would guess six or seven hundred maybe the year before. I mean, part of it is literally just that, like, I lived in a winter climate. And so you couldn't really ride through the winter. I mean, you could fat bike. So you could get out on the snow and. But it's it's much shorter distances. You're not going out as often. Yeah, I can't tell for it only chose chose me for all time, not for year by year. But I yeah, I would say probably closer to six hundred. I also like I broke my foot that year too. So oh, that's for, right. Well, yeah, I was I was working with you when that happened. Yeah, I broke my foot. Yeah, it was terrible timing. It was right when I was in the meat of of this messy hard transition stuff. Yeah, so. That's funny because I remember you being like, well, breaking my life, breaking my foot. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. And how could we change perspective on this when you're like, well, I guess I'll feel my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think was so important at that point. I had not let myself feel that things were hard for so long. I was like, I have to be. This strong, stoic, immovable object because I have yeah. to show up specifically for my job, not for myself, not for my friends and family, not for for anything, but I have to hold it together for my job. And then when I left, yeah. you know, I I let myself, I think it was important that I let myself fall apart and I let myself get deep down in the wallowing and the hard and the yeah. mucky because I just hadn't even exercised that muscle in years. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I can handle the hard things There's a little better now. I don't have to go quite so deep down anymore. <laughs> right? But that's the clean pain, right? The broken open kind of pain. The pain of like experiencing that you are a human. I am a human. There's this book that I go back to over and over again. It's by Elizabeth Lesser, I believe is how you say her name. And it's called Broken Open. And every time I go through a hard time, I go right back to that because... Create that clean pain, right? Just what you just described. Then the next time it's less mucky, but still freaking human. 
Which comes to the next question from many, 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 many. Ready? So I kind of loop these together. Pick each any piece. You don't have to answer all of them, okay? Are you still able to keep boundaries, work-life integration? Are you able to have energy left and still feel good? I went back and listened to the episode and you had talked about rowing and how in rowing you have to leave everything and it's like you win a you win a little ego prize if you vomit it all out and you had talked about how you brought that into your career and I was like oh my god I forgot all about that and then the last way this was phrased was can you still prioritize yourself and not feel awful which I think says a lot about how women are moving through the world right this assumption that if we prioritize ourselves we're going to feel awful yeah, it's it's so it the thought is like it's so selfish if you prioritize yourself and and I would say like to all of those things I certainly have my moments when I'm like required to make a more active choice and be like no this is not how you want to be you have to like consciously make the decisions but I think by and large yeah I have been able to integrate this boundaried self this I'll use the term self centered not not in its traditional sense that like it is selfish and and sort of the cocky self-censored sort of way but like I am the center of my life I have to center myself and I I mean just in the aspect of my relationship my partner and I talk period like a lot about our relationship and how we're doing and what we need to work on and things and we've talked a lot about just like the transformation that I've made as a partner to him and how much more valued he feels and supported he feels and he's able to like he is able to struggle now because he doesn't have to hold it together in order to hold me together and so he's allowed to let his guard down a little bit but like that that's a little bit down rabbit hole but like no 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 that is not down the rabbit hole wow (laughs) holy cow right when we center ourselves i'm learning something brand new as ashley is speaking So, Ashley, as you're centering yourself, your partner is released and you are more supportive of each other in ways that build each other up. Did I catch that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because for a long time when I was when I was really, you know, so deep in work as my truest and deepest and most important priority, I was not taking care of myself. And so he had to take care of me in a lot of ways. And it was very, I could not see at the time how draining that was on him. And he didn't feel like he could express the the big or small ways in which, you know, life's hard for him too. We worked at the same place. <laughs> he was dealing with the same systems that burnt me out. And my inability to care for myself put the, that responsibility on him. And so when I started prioritizing me and and my self-care it lifted that burden from him and eventually I hit the point where I then had the capacity to start to care for him as well so it was like a multi-step process of like unburdening him from my care or the, the need to care for me and then getting to the point where I could circle back around and provide him with the care that he deserved that I was not giving him at any point for years while in those professional scenarios. And 
And that's been huge. And I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. It's. I feel like it's. you hear from people all the time, like, you got to take care of yourself first. You got to put on your own oxygen mask. And it still is hard to believe it until you see it put into practice successfully. And in retrospect, I'm like, God, I should have done this so long ago. <laughs> but we're here now. Yeah. Because we're not talking here about, you know, playing golf as self-care or getting your nails done as self-care. We are talking about the true, deep centering and caring of self. And as I was mm-hmm. listening to you, first of all, I was like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. And I am so proud of me and you and us. Go us. And also, this is actually the work that so many women are asking from their male partners because so many men don't have the emotional skills to truly care for themselves and use emotion, like accept that they're that they have the full range, right? Because men are not permitted to have many emotions, right? They're allowed to be happy with sports. They're allowed to be angry. And I don't know what else men are allowed to do because that seems to be the range that we permit them. But as, and then it creates this incredible load. Wait, wait, I just want to pause for a second. I heard this. I don't remember where I heard this. Even when they're happy, the only acceptable external response is anger-like. You're you're thrilled your team won the World Series. Flip cars and light them on fire. And pump your fist. You got to pump your fist. Throw things. Whether it's a positive or negative emotion, it's still the action is still an angry, intense, physical reaction. There's no feeling. There's no gentleness. Oh, my gosh. And it manifests still in a way that is very parallel to the way that anger manifests physically that's incredible i as soon as you started saying that i was like yep i have i i did not have that language and yes right because it creates this incredible invisible emotional load and labor on the partner which tends to be stereotypical it tends to be one partner has those skills and the other person doesn't and when in this in this example when men begin to but now I have I have someone in my head there in a same-sex relationship and one of then they still have this pattern where one of that anyways Nicole back to the point right like when the partner (laughs) begins to truly feel the emotions and center and and grow the other person gets to have a more holistic full life and actually feel that support that was incredible I did not expect going that direction at all, but what a gift. What a gift. We over-answered yeah. that question. Yeah. I, well, I think I, want, I do want to add, like, so I think that's the result. I think what has always been helpful for me is, like, concretely, what do those boundaries actually look like? And so for me, like, what, how have I, how have I done that? It's all well and good to say, look at the outcome, but I have been very strict with, for one, when I interviewed, because of where I was at that point in my life, my ability to self-care and work life, have work-life balance and know that I wasn't going to be exploited in my time and my emotional reserves was the most important thing. And so the questions I asked during my interview were centered around that. And I think that set a tone with the people who became my colleagues and my bosses 
that this was a priority for me. So I already, I think it is harder to institute boundaries when you haven't had them than to, you know, start with them as your just natural way of being. So I, I had set that tone early. And it's things like I've maintained East Coast work hours, even though I'm not on the East Coast right now. And my calendar literally says at five o'clock Eastern time, do not schedule without checking with me first. And I close my computer at the end of the day. I Excellent. have made the decision that there are no emergencies in my line of work. I've worked in places where there are emergencies. Yes. People, people need to get to the hospital because we have an emergency. Yes. There, there are no emergencies here. And so if I'm doing my job well and I am escalating issues as I find out about them and I am providing clear and reasonable timelines for work to get done, then I have padding when things do get hard and things do get stressful and things do get tight and I can shift priorities around in order to accommodate for that. What I don't shift around is the end of my workday is at five o'clock Eastern time and I can work on that tomorrow or I can work on that next week or what would you like for me to deprioritize right now so that I can bring that to the forefront for you. And it just provides a, a sense of, I think it provides stability for my colleagues. Like they know what to expect from me. But yeah, I've I've been really good at maintaining that boundary and knowing that like there's only so many hours of daylight after that and if I want to go ride and which is the whole point of this life just get out and have adventures <laughs> like I gotta get off my computer I'm not gonna work till 7 p.m when the sun goes down and now I can't go do the things that I built this life yes. to be able to do so that's probably been the biggest thing is there's no emergencies and there's no homework yes <laughs> there is no homework so nobody that's really interesting it didn't it didn't occur to me until you started being so generous is nobody asked how. Mm -hmm. And if I can summar summarize that, you chose a mindset. There's no homework. There's no emergencies. And then you made a series of decisions. So clarity, momentum, made a series of decisions. And then accountability, you held that promise for yourself without being rigid or controlling but offering stability to yourself and to other people as well as grace. Because what you said was it's blocked with do not schedule unless you talk to me. So if something really is going on, it sounds to me like mm -hmm. you ask a few questions. If it really makes sense, then you can make a decision in that moment. That's yeah. incredible. And that's happened. I've had to stay late to present to the CEO about something. And mm -hmm. you know what? I didn't go to work till 10 a.m. the next day or 11 a.m. the next day. Like that time can come back to me in another way. It doesn't mean that I blow the whole system out of the water because something that actually is at a level of urgency that I need to like make room for comes up. It just means, okay, how can we shift these resources? The resources being my time and my energy. Beautiful, which are both finite. I love mm -hmm. that. Which brings us to a fascinating question. Have you really found purpose in this new career, this career that isn't service-driven, kids-focused, give-give-give profession? Have you really found purpose? Mm -hmm. So I think there's two parts to my answer to that. One is very firmly my purpose is not, my purpose in life is not my job. I have made the decision that my job will never again be the thing that gives my life purpose. I have deep 
inalienable worth regardless of my career. And that needs to be a non-negotiable forever and ever until the end of time. And so I that is no longer a thing that I am seeking. If if it happens, if I like if I get in a position where I feel like I'm making deep important differences in systems or the world or whatever, like great. But like that is not my source of value and truth and purpose. The second part to that answer is I think we're when we do think about sort of purpose driven work, we often think I'm going to go back to this analogy of like these big and little rocks, like it's the big rocks. Like, are we in an industry that makes a difference in people's lives? Are we saving the environment? Are we? And not that those things aren't important, like people have to do that work. But there's also these small ways to find purpose, the relationships that I have with my colleagues, the ability to make someone else feel good about their work or support them when they're struggling. Like that stuff makes me feel really good. And I'm able to do that in my work. I don't know that the work that I do is, it's not saving lives. It's not changing the world. But I do have valuable relationships and I am providing impact. And that feels good. And that is a type of purpose. Oh my gosh, Ashley. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, every listener has deep inalienable worth, period. Period. You breathe, you are worthy. Period. And you know, I, I could not say those words. I no. physically could not get those words to come out of my throat and was in tears attempting to say them. That's not metaphor. That's not <laughs> any yeah. sort of like, sort of over-exaggeration. I could not speak the words, I am worthy. I am worthy no matter what. And yeah, I, it, that's probably been the most transformational shift. Yeah, from the inside. Mm -hmm. So, fun question. We just, we just like nailed it. Mic drop. But we we still have three questions. Hey y'all, <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of fun. Are you okay with earning more money? It sounds like it was a big jump. This question came I in a shocking <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Because okay, like I'm, I like want to root any answer here in just like the amount of privilege that we have been yeah. afforded, systemically, circumstantially, like. There are a lot of things that we have done for ourselves and society has done systemically that that have helped us be in the position that we're in. And I love making more money. I am now at two and a half times my old salary. Wow. My partner hasn't had to work since August of last year, which is great for him because, like I said, he he kept me afloat for a very yes. long time knowingly to me and unknowingly to me and and this is his chance to take those deep breaths and enjoy life for a while and you know he does all the dishes and the laundry and keeps us clean and organized and fed and it's the dream arrangement for me because i hate those things <laughs> but yeah it's great i mean the 
the ability to, I remember, so one thing we had to deal with in the fall is we were driving a 2004 Honda Element mm-hmm. and we loved it, but like we were, to- we were going to tow it with the RV and it was going to be great. And, and it kept having a check engine light come on. And one of the hardest things about living on the road is all of the stability that comes from having a, a mechanic that you know, a hairstylist that you know, you know, the with the person at the restaurant who knows your order, like you lose that level of consistency. So, oh God, the bike shop mechanic. I've had an issue with my bike. I've had to go to three different shops because every time it comes up, I have to go. I'm in a new city, a new town, and someone else has to look at it fresh. And so like, it's, there, there is it's a tough aspect of living this life. And we sat down and we were like, all right, well, we've been debt free for five, six years. So we, we made the choice to pay off our debt a while ago. We took on the RV loan. You're not working. I'm making this amount of money. What's sort of the math here? How much is our stress worth? How much is the logistical mm-hmm. effort of finding a new mechanic every time we're in a new town worth? How, how that is worth money. Like if my time yes. for my job is worth money, my time on the phone with the mechanic is worth money. And um, we we made the decision. We're like, we're going to buy it. Not a new car, but like certified pre-owned, relatively yeah. new car, under warranty, never had that before. We have a car payment and we got a Jeep and we've been able to like get to trailheads we wouldn't have been able to get to otherwise. We've gotten through mud and sand and, you know, tricky terrain that we wouldn't have been able to get through otherwise. And it has been absolutely worth the car payment to be able to not have the stress, to have the confidence that we're going to be able to get where we want to go. I haven't told you this part. We're like, we just found out it needs a new engine, but it's under warranty because it's new. <laughs> and so like, we can like hand it over to the dealership and they'll put a new engine in it. And like, you know, that's annoying. It's like really throwing a wrench in our travel plans because that takes a while to get managed. But like we paid for the level of security that a warranty offers. And Correct. Like that stuff is it it is it is absolutely worth it. I love making more money. I wish I had done it ten years ago. <laughs> How might my life be different if I had made this much money ages ago? But again, here we're here now. It's not yes. too late. Exactly. It's not too late. It's not too late. Oh man. All right. So in your podcast episode. And apparently on LinkedIn, as well as in a Facebook group, you really hammer the power of the interest interview. And you mentioned them earlier in this conversation as well. Are you still doing them? Why? Have you changed how? Okay, so I would say I'm not doing them in the way that I intended, which is something that I'm sort of struggling with. I think when I it's it's it was like the little snowball effect right i was like all right i want to keep doing interest interviews because i always want to know what's out there i always want to know like there was so much i learned in this process i know there's still so much more to learn i want to keep talking to people and just continuing to widen my perspective and if it leads to something cool of whatever sort of opportunity great those have not been really happening. I think when I started my job, I was like, I'm going to take a break to get used to my job. And then the acquisition got announced. I was like, all right, I'm going to take a break because I got to figure this whole thing out. And then it was like, well, I sort of feel like I've I've figured it out. So I'm going to take a break because I just like want to take a break. Like work is chiller. So I want this to also be chill. And it's, it's, 
easy to let things just mellow. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I do think it's a thing to inspect and be like, am I doing this for the amount of time and in the way that feels good when I zoom out a little bit? Yes. What I have been doing and what I love, I'm always super psyched. Um, I have a lot of people reach out to me. I have a lot of friends and people that I've networked it with who circle back around and say, hey, I have a friend who is trying to get out of education or wants to make a big career yes. jump or wants to go remote and doesn't know how or whatever sort of the circumstances. And they feel resonance in my story and ask if I'm willing to talk to that person. And I've done a lot of, the, I would say I've done a lot of those conversations, at least a couple times a month. I talk with someone new and I love it. I think it's a good reminder to me. One of the things that I sort of keep in the back of my mind as like a goal and I try to talk to people about is like, it's easy with perspective to downplay how hard something was and sort of like right. self gaslight right. that it was never really that bad. Yes. It wasn't that hard. We were fine. We figured it out. We, you know, we were okay. And it's, I think it's good to remind myself that I did a really hard thing. Um, and so having this opportunity to retell my story is, is really cool and reminds me of that. And I actually, I was talking, a friend of mine reached out to, to have a conversation about it, about my experience. And she's, she's going through something sort of similar and was like, I mean, I know I'll get through it and it'll be fine. And, you know, three months from now, we'll look back and it won't be a big deal. And I was like, no, three months from now, you're going to be in a better position personally, maybe professionally, like you are going to feel better, but it doesn't make what happened to you. It will never make what happened to you. Okay. It will never right. make what happened to you. Not a hard thing that you did and that you went through. Right. Don't self gaslight yourself into believing. Yes that it was less than it was. So I, I really, I value those conversations. My sort of personal value in those conversations is that reminder of yeah. the hard thing that I did and the, the goals and the intentions that I came out of it with. Yes. So yeah, I, yeah. I want to figure out how to sort of get back into like the big picture, like my self-driven interest interviews, because I do feel like that's something I've, I've laughed. So if anybody listening wants to chat with me for my own sake, you let me know. <laughs> if you think you have something interesting yes. to share with me, I'm sure my LinkedIn or something will be in the bio of this episode. So yes, <laughs> reach yes. out. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Right. And sometimes, so I'm not, I, it's not like every month I'm having interest interviews, right? It tends to be around the time when I feel that there's a desire for a decision, right? So when I was having more and more people come to me and say, hey, I don't actually want to be a woman in tech. I want to do this. Would you be willing, right? That's when I started talking to people and saying, hey, you know, you've built a business. Did you ever have a niche shift? Did you ever have this situation? And how did you manage that, right? And learn from them. And I think that that's a wonderful way to see it as supportive for you, right? Mm -hmm. Just a possibility. Mm -hmm. And I want to stress that the hard thing that you did, just for our listeners, I know you know, but for our listeners, it's not the career move. It's that you completely redesigned your mindset and then your life. Mm -hmm. And that is Absolutely. really hard. 
and really mm-hmm. beautiful. <sighs> the last two questions. Would you do it again? And what would you do differently now looking back? Absolutely. 100 I like no no questions asked. What do I wish I hadn't had to do it? Do I wish I hadn't been so deeply, like, sort of to- torn apart? I mean, I-, I used to use the analogy a lot that I I had to blow everything. I w- it was so bad that I had to, like, sort of throw my life mm-hmm. off the cliff and hope. Oh, my gosh, I heard something the other. I was listening to an episode of We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle. And they said something like they were talking about being in recovery. And recovery is specifically, mm-hmm. obviously, about addiction. But. She was saying that, like, we can be in recovery from a lot of things that are not. We can be in recovery from our thoughts. We can be in recovery from from all these things. And she was saying there's a, I don't know where it came from, but the idea that the person we are now has to throw ourselves off the cliff and trust that the person we will become will be capable of catching us. We are not now capable of that, but the person we will become will be capable of catching us. So, So I had to do that. And... You know, if in a world where I didn't have to go through that pain and heartache, like, would it have been less painful and heartacheful? Yes. I mm-hmm. don't think I would have had the incentive, the the deep need to make the dramatic shift that I've made without it. Mm-hmm. So I don't wish it on myself again. And I'm so grateful that it happened. I don't think I would have. I think I would have. I probably said this in the last episode, too. I I would have just ended up at a different school or I would have ended up like industry adjacent. I would have ended up with a moderate pay increase, not a big shift in how I live my life. I would not be living the life I have right now without having gone through that time. So absolutely. I would do it again. God, I hope I don't have to, but I would. (laughs) And then, and then differently, differently, differently. I, I really don't know that I would. I think I can see how all the small steps and big steps led me to this place. And, and I know a year or two years, three years from now, I'm going to look back and who knows what level of transformational change will exist between now and then. And I'll look back and be like, oh, you thought you would. Thought you had made it to <laughs> your sort of like landing zone, and if you had only known what was coming, you know you might have done things differently. But I, I'm just so happy with where things are right now that anything that I can think of, I don't know. I, I'm just so happy with where things are now. Yeah. I can't imagine changing. Beautiful, beautiful. There was one question that I wanted to ask. Yeah. So last time you shared that your brave role models were shifting. Who's a brave role model from your life now? Oh, I had forgotten that I said they were shifting and I wanted to think about them. And what's so interesting is the person I I was thinking ahead of this episode, like, who do I want to who do I want to look towards? and the person that I'm thinking of now is the person that I would have picked 
pre-shift, not picked mid-shift. And now I'm going back to because of things that have happened in their life and the way that I've seen them handle it. So I have a, I have a friend whose name is Sarah and she has gone through a pretty big career shift, life shift. We've stayed in touch. She was very supportive to me through my change. And I think both of us were very rooted in some old systems. And so when I got out of those systems, I was like, or, or when I started to question those systems, I was like, I need to sort of dissociate from all the things involved in this system um, because I'm not feeling like they're good for me. And I very much saw her as uh, deeply affiliated with, if not identified as that system. And since then, she's not a part of it anymore through mm. her own the way that her life has has gone. And what even outside as she's left that system god i guess just going back to this like big things versus little things like she still is so deeply rooted in the things that i valued her for before yeah and that i found brave and admirable and ideal about her before she is still so thoughtful and curious and gracious and deeply present as much as she ever was. And it's nice to feel like I can sort of reclaim that that sense of like, ah, yes, you are you are a person for me that I am like deeply committed to and value and see as brave. And that you're just like I need to not feel that my identity and worth is tied up with my role or my affiliation with different systems. Hers is not either. And <laughs> To be able to come back to that is is really cool because I've always thought that she's been able to handle hard things with such integrity and curiosity and lack of judgment. And I guess I thought that was built up into that system that we were a part of. And mm. I felt like I had to let that go a little bit. And it's not. It's just it's who she is as a person. And I yeah. can still look to it and be like, OK, I can hold on to these pieces because the pieces don't make up the system. The pieces make up me and they make up me in a way that I can shape and feel good about. Yeah. Independent of that system. Yeah. Oh, my. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Long term relationships ebb and flow come close, come further, share growth, sometimes come back together. Thank you. That's, that's really beautiful. Thank you. Oh, Ashley, first repeat guest, amazing as can be. Incredible. I hope people like it. <laughs> I hope oh, I have so zero doubt. Seeing where things are... <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's. We see these snapshots of people's lives at their lowest lows or their highest highs or sort of in the middle, and you can't. You need more than one point on the timeline to know yes. and sort of flesh out your picture of things. So I'm glad to, glad to provide yes. that for folks. Yes, and for real, and anyone. What I also really and either to help me out or they want to talk to me, I'm down. <laughs> 
And your and your contact information for LinkedIn will definitely be in the show notes, as will the episode, the previous episode that we did. And what I what was coming into my mind as I was listening throughout of the, throughout this is the power of coaching after the coaching has wrapped. Like mm. I think about some of one of the biggest skills that I learned was from a coach I worked with in 2008. And that is still within my life. And the mm. the beauty of choosing what each person wants to take forward, what they want to leave behind and not getting committed or reliant upon one learning container, one experience container is so beautiful. And when you said like, oh, maybe in two years I'll look back and be like, oh, I had no idea what was coming. I was like, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> like we can guarantee yeah. <laughs> that 100%. 100%. And the incredible aspect of choosing which pieces to take forward when and how and the people as well has just woven beautifully in your very generous answers to the very curious audience. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. I love hearing from you. So feel free, reach out definitely to Ashley if you haven't already. And here, I want to hear from you as well. My contact information is in the show notes. Until next week, brave it up. Hey, before you go, you are ready to become the bravest, most fulfilled version of you. And I am ready to be your coach. I invite you to explore one-on-one coaching with me. Go to tricksteinbach.com to learn more and schedule your consultation. You can stress and work less while you live and earn more. My clients do it all the time.